What's up, everybody, and welcome back to Multiverse Monologues, the podcast show where we like to travel across the multiverses and fandoms that we love to talk about the movies, television shows that accompany those universes. And today, we are going back to the MCU in the Marvel Movie Marathon to talk about one of the most beloved Marvel films that have come out in recent time, Guardians of the Galaxy. But I'm not the only one who's going to be talking about this movie because, as you guys know, in this Marvel movie marathon, we have covered so many Marvel films. Me, Ben Ray, side co-host, with alongside Mr. Ethan Westlove. Ethan, how are you doing? I'm doing great. I'm super pumped to talk about this movie. But, you know, when, whenever people talk about this movie, they always highlight the characters. But, but when I look at this movie and I see the characters, all I can think is, what a bunch of a-holes. Am I right? Come on. What a bunch of a-holes. Well, I'm, I, I know a, a big a-hole right now, and I'm just kidding. It's Mr. Micah Head. Micah, wow. how, how are you doing? You know, if I had a nickel for every time Vin Diesel played a linguistically challenged character that's also tall, that saves the world by blowing up at the end of the movie, I'd have two nickels. Mm. And... Uh, it's just weird that it's happened twice. It's not, it's not I, a uh, lot of nickels. You can count <laughs> count his character Dom Toretto in there. Okay, too. Yeah, yeah, big guy. Does mm-hmm. he? Oh, he, yeah, he definitely has some linguistic uh, uh, <laughs> problems in those movies. It's all about family. All right, that's right. In both of these franchises, much like this movie, yeah, it's all about family, and that's what we're here to do. We're here to talk about Guardians of the Galaxy because, gentlemen, it's so nice to be back in the MCU. We had a great discussion on X Men: Days of Future Past last week. Go check that podcast out i think it was one of our best films so Mm, far so good but i think i think i'm not gonna put it out there to start off but i think we got a really good one because this is a beloved movie i think we all are fans of this so seeing where this one ranks is going to be very interesting so stick around and stay tuned for that but before you do i ask that you leave a like on this video we're we're getting to be a little bit more prominent Whoa. on YouTube with these videos now. Ethan, you're doing a fabulous what? job, especially with the last edit of X-Men Days of Future Past. The viewership is a little bit more up. And I, I so you guys have been watching and we certainly have a lot of fun uh, making these videos for you and putting our faces up on YouTube. And so we certainly enjoy that. So leave a like. It would It would mean a lot to us. But gentlemen... Without further ado, let's open our sling rings and head over to the MCU. You're lucky the broad showed up, because otherwise me and Groot would be collecting that bounty right now, and you'd be getting drawn and quartered by Yondu and those ravages. I've had a lot of folks try to kill me over the years. I ain't about to be brought down by a tree and a talking raccoon. Old! What's a raccoon? What's a raccoon? It's what you are, stupid. Ain't no thing like me except me. Peter Quill, a half-human orphan, steals a mysterious orb coveted by Ronan the Accuser, a Kree warlord who plans to use it to destroy Xandar and the galaxy. Quill is pursued by Ronan's forces, and he is forced to team up with a group of misfits, Rocket Raccoon, Gamora, Drax the Destroyer, and Groot to protect the orb and save the galaxy. That is your plot synopsis for Guardians of the Galaxy. Very simple, and it's it's definitely based off of, you know, those older space movies like Star Wars, but you also have your Indiana Jones injected into there with a killer soundtrack. And I I, I don't know 
we're going to go take a, a little, you know, like capsule back in time because we're getting to that point where I remember seeing these movies in theaters. So I'm going to shoot this to you, Mr. Wenslov. What do you remember about when this movie came out in 2014? Well, this is a movie I didn't see in theaters. Unfortunately, really? I missed yeah, I missed the train for that. I I loved the MCU, but I didn't have a car. <laughs> I was under That's 16. Fair. I couldn't drive yet. So there was no one that took me to see this movie. My brother uh took his girlfriend at the time to see this movie. So I didn't get I didn't get to see it with him. He would be my main ride to the theater. So I, I got to see this later when it came out on physical copy. But what I remember from at the time was it was just a very like no one knew what to expect going into this movie. No one knew. We all thought, yeah, maybe maybe it can be something. We don't know that I, I was a big Parks and Rec fan. So I knew who Chris Pratt was as the iconic Andy Dwyer. So it, it was interesting to see him bulk up and take on this this role of Star Lord. But no, I, I don't I didn't have a lot at the time. But when I, I got to see it at home. I just remember it was fun. That's that's my biggest problem with when people see this movie. I ask them, oh, have you seen Guardians? Do you like Guardians? They look at me and they go, oh, yeah, that one. That one's funny. Yes, this movie is funny, but it's so much more than just funny. And I'm excited to talk about it with you guys. And yeah. and you, how many times do you think you've say you've seen this movie? Over well, the this month I've seen it twice alone. Me too. So <laughs> nice, nice. I don't. This one probably. Not as many times as I wish I have, but it's at least in the seven or eight range right now. But you would say you're a fan. I would you're say I'm a, a big fan, fan of this fan. movie. Yeah. Okay. And I just, I was watching some scenes earlier and we watched the ending together today. It just, it is such, it's a movie that right when you finish it, you feel invited to go rewatch it again. Mm. So The same with this series. So, yeah. Okay, all right. Mike, are you as hot on this movie as Ethan is? Well, any movie where I get royalties for them putting the main character's face on my body. Oh, <laughs> I mean, I gotta say, this this movie's great. This is the third movie they've done that? How many movies I, have I, they done? I, that? Know, I, I mean, Hugh Jackman, they got... Uh, <laughs> now, now, which, now, which Chris character? Pratt, Chris Pratt. Chris Pratt. I do believe... Drax, right, you know? the, Okay. Yeah, they you did use tracks as both, well. Yeah, know? yeah. <laughs> Mark Ruffalo's hulked out version is actually Micah's abs. That's just right. Blown <laughs> and up. Angley, and Angley. Angley's hulked too. Okay, one. perfect. Uh, but this movie, I, I remember more the trailers than the actual movie in theaters. I probably didn't see this movie in theaters, but I sure as heck remember watching the trailer in theaters many times. And if I recall, this movie was advertised almost as far away from a Marvel movie as possible. So many people that I know uh, that got into Marvel was because of this movie. It was such a perfect on-ramp because you didn't have to know anything going into this movie. It teaches you everything. And that, that's also a point I want to talk about right. while we discuss this movie is that it is an exposition dump throughout this movie. Um, I remember the iconic raising yeah, up the middle, middle finger, finger yeah. uh, trailer. I, like I, I it's yeah. so iconic. You got the which song did they play in the in the trailer? Was it That's uh Hooked on a Feeling. Hooked on a Feeling. Yeah. yeah. The sales for Hooked on a Feeling went up some like 400,000 billion percent after that trailer came out. <laughs> I didn't see this movie in theaters, but I did see that trailer in theaters because it played before The Winter Soldier. Yeah. Mm. So I do remember that that was my first introduction to this movie and this world. But yeah, that middle finger thing. It, it the movie felt a little more edgy than what Marvel was it, was used to. It's such a new step, a huge leap, a, 
a small step for man and a giant leap for Marvel MCU uh, because it takes it in such a different direction. This movie is definitely the most adult we've seen. It's closest to Deadpool that we've had. Deadpool's, I'd say, the extreme adult content that we get in the MCU. And something like, I don't know, Big Hero 6 that was watched next week yeah. is the kid one. <laughs> and this is a step closer to allowing you know, that more crude, that more uh, adult-centered humor towards it. And, and um, another huge impact that this had was nostalgia culture. Mm. From this movie, yeah. we got Stranger Things. <laughs> From there, this movie, yeah. we got the resurgence of vinyl and cassette decks and uh, mullets. And because <laughs> here's your market for you know capitalizing on that 70s, 80s nostalgia, that music, that yeah. vibe. What it's all prevalent this? in this movie. What came out before this? Super Eight. Like Tron was big. Tron was big. Tron yeah. was a big one in that 80s nostalgia. I want to comment on one thing. You guys were talking about the trailers, and one thing that specifically I remembered, my 13-year-old brain remembered when I saw this trailer <laughs> in theaters. There's a shot that is not used in this movie, and I think I know. I think you guys oh, yeah. know what and I'm talking about. Um, Gamora <laughs> is shirtless in the shower scene and i remember because i was like oh man if my parents see this trailer they are not gonna let, let me, me see this is, movie is this because the <laughs> gamora was shirtless is this the the clip you were trying to find in the dvd <laughs> extras <laughs> no. you were like no, no no it's not that one it's not that one no, uh, like, next one are you is gamora gonna be shirtless in this movie like what what kind of marvel movie is this you're like well you i gotta get right. tickets today <laughs> But you're right in saying that this is not your typical because you've had your trailers, yeah. You know, exploit Black Widow, you know her form, but never like you had a bareback. But mm -hmm. they didn't end up using it in the movie. But I remember that from the trailers of that time, and it was just something like I was like, oh, interesting. I didn't use that in the movie. Never before would I have thought to uh, hear <laughs> the interior of a ship described as a Jackson Pollock painting. Whoa. <laughs> Those are your some those are your kind of adult <laughs> references that this movie Tony Stark kind of has those as you go along, but they're kind of easy to miss. And I didn't understand this one until yeah, and, a couple years kids later. Kids wouldn't understand these jokes. Right. Like, okay, yeah, you, you can put two and two together if you look it up, but in the theater, in the moment, no kid's gonna know about that stuff. No kid's gonna see some sort of like pelvic thrust. Uh, and, and think, okay, yeah, that's that's a sex thing. No, it's <laughs> a dance-off, bro. I didn't know what it was. <laughs> right. I was 12 when this movie came out, and I, I had no idea. Watching it uh, last week, I watched it last Tuesday for the first time in a couple years. I think I watched it after Infinity War the last time. Mm. So after Infinity War, my dad was like, who are those guys? <laughs> who are those cool guys you, in that movie? You, you don't know who the Guardians <laughs> of the Galaxy are? So we watched one and two, and he was like, that was great. I'm watching two again. <laughs> so here's the question. Why do you think this was, as we're still looking back, why do you think this was so prevalent? Because this was everywhere at the time. When I when this movie came out, I didn't see it opening weekend, but everyone was like, oh, dude, you like Marvel movies? You got to go see this new one. Mm -hmm. Why was it so insanely, like, why did it take the culture by storm? I think because Avengers is a certain crowd, right? Guardians is a different crowd, but Marvel, that overlap is pretty big. So you get to see, everyone wants to see this movie. It appeals to, I, in some ways I think it appeals to even more people than, than the Avengers did. Even though Avengers was such a huge movie. I mean, if you look at the box office numbers, look at how many people saw this movie. We got uh, 
$770 million in the box office. Guardians 2 made $869 million in the box office. And the budgets were 170 and 200 respectively, for Guardians 1 and 2. It's just huge. Mm-hmm. This movie made so much money. It is the second highest, the second largest quantity rated movie on IMDb, mm-hmm. just next to, or uh, Marvel, Avenger, movie. Marvel movie, Marvel movie next yeah. to the Avengers. Right. Sure, there's a lot of DC movies up there. All the Dark Knight movies are yeah. up there, but Avengers, then Guardians 1. Why is that? I believe it and was. I number- believe it's because of the post credit scene. <laughs> <laughs> Our first look at Howard the Duck. Howard the Duck. We have to highlight the first time Howard the Duck has reappeared in our Marvel movie marathon. Mm-hmm. Since the very first one. Guys, if you're listening to this, <laughs> go start our journey from the beginning. We started with Howard the Duck. Oh, We're here he's, now. He's back. That was a long but time ago. I wanted to highlight why you think yeah. this movie was so big. First of all, the marketing mm-hmm. was huge. Hooked on a feeling after this trailer released was number one on the. Uh, billboard for a couple weeks and the, I think uh, we haven't mentioned his name yet James Gunn Ooh. James Gunn and the hand he had on not only the creation of this this world Marvel Marvel was already a prevalent world but he got to create his own world here there's a great uh, special feature on uh, Disney Plus and on your Blu-rays if you got them called uh, James Gunn's Guide to the Galaxy I recommend watching through that but I watched an interview today with uh, Chris Pratt, Kevin Feige, and James Gunn, uh, done by John Campia, from back in the day, nine years ago, and the like the importance they felt this movie had. Kevin Feige specifically, the way he talked about casting the Guardians and casting the vision for it, he said it was the same feeling he felt when he was doing Iron Man. Oh, yeah, wow. we're gonna take because uh, it's crazy to think about Iron Man as not a huge character. Because now we look at him, he's huge. But Kevin Feige said we took a character that the comic readers would know and we brought him right to the front and made him this core piece. And he said, that's what we're going to do with the Guardians. We're going to take these comic characters that really only hardcore comic fans know about. We're going to bring them to the forefront and really put an importance on there. And they really highlighted that with the casting of Chris Pratt, which there's a great story. James Gunn didn't want Chris Pratt in this movie, he heard like that chubby guy from Parks and Rec. I don't want it. I don't want to uh, have him read for the role. He read for the role within 20 seconds. James Gunn said, yeah, th- this is our guy. This is Star Lord. Then he took six months, got sh- just completely jacked. Right. Chris jacked. <laughs> Literally. Oh, like, man. I see you take a look at it. his goal was 50 pounds. He lost 60. I, muscle man. Whew. I mean, look at him. He's got he's a, he's got a shirtless you see scene. Ball? He's got a shirtless scene, man, Moneyball. in this movie, and he, he's certainly very I got cut. a shirtless scene. Of course, I guess. Yeah, my bad, my bad, Micah. Micah's <laughs> got a shirtless scene. He certainly gets a little bit more uh, obese over the. I, I think Rocket comments that on which movie is that? Infinity uh, War. Infinity War. War. Right. You one sandwich away from fat, Quill. It adds to it though. It adds <laughs> oh, to his character because then he's back to kind of more fit in the third movie. And to go along with Ethan's point, with these characters were not well known. If you guys didn't know, Rocket was only in ten comics before the Guardians movies. Wow. Ten issues total. Now volumes, ten issues. Where to read that? Yeah. Trivia. Okay. Like that that Guardians three. When you say that, and you might be right, because I haven't looked into it, I feel like you're dead wrong on that. Yeah. Like this is Rocket Raccoon. Like <laughs> I heard I heard I 10 feel issues. like he's been in the comics since like the eighties. But, but I, while you're looking that yeah. up, yeah. Like, he was in the sixties comics, but I heard he was only in ten issues. Right, but know. that that like that's no, a he was super there's small a two thousand eight run that he was really big in. I don't know where you read that. Oh, sorry. Four issues. <laughs> 
<laughs> nah, I don't know. <laughs> I, don't uh, I take it back then. No, you're fine. Uh, <laughs> there you go. You Point get, is, you, you he wasn't there. in a lot of comics, and I think that goes for all of these characters. They weren't big, like the Eternals. I, except the Eternals didn't have the effect that Guardians right, did. Right, right. But something that James Gunn was first offered, so something we really talked about with our Winter Soldier podcast was how Kevin Feige went out, sought out the Russo brothers, and wanted them to pitch the idea. And they were really like not big. Same with James Gunn. He did Slither, Super. He had a few projects in the can that were uh, liked by a good amount of people. But this one, same deal, right? He's he, What he's huge for now is these Guardians films and his work in DC. What he's gone on to do from there. But Kevin Feige, he's like, yeah, let, let's get you in this. And when he first heard the pitch, he's like, no, I can't do that. That's too hard. And he used the quote like, uh, Bugs Bunny in the Avengers, hmm. right? That's how he saw Rocket as just Bugs Bunny. But then he went home, he said on his drive home, he thought long and hard about it. And he decided, I'm going to craft this character of Rocket and it's going to be, uh, you know, the, the character we ultimately see in this movie and we'll see in the second movie and even deeper in the third movie when we get there. But he he turned these characters into something. He, he wasn't a fan of them, really. Then he read up on them. He got to write them. And now he say that like they're his family. He loves these characters. And I think that's what's at the heart of this film is that James Gunn loves these characters. How old is James Gunn? Uh, How old is that guy? Get up, Micah. I want to know what, what age that guy is because what I 56. see... 56. So what I see here is someone who can take characters, craft them into the way he wants them, and just absolutely take those characters and make them huge. Make them stars. And so while I'm not... the biggest fan of him taking over dc knowing that they're going to be in like the care of this guy who goes home and thinks about a character who's not in many issues of comics like that that gives me so much confidence and it's all on display in this movie you want to talk about a reason why this movie was so successful other than the reasons that you guys mentioned you've got five misfit characters couple more if you want to include a couple other characters Two fully cgi and all of them are great yeah. all of them are great man what you want to talk about hawkeye you can throw him to the side and put <laughs> any one of these characters higher than him and no disrespect to hawkeye because he's great Full disrespect. it's just Trash. these five are so core into this movie that it just creates an unforgettable experience in the theater mix that with the soundtrack and you've got like I mean, everyone saw it with Stranger Things, but this was this happened before that. You got your uh, running up that hill that was last week, that that was last year that took the world by storm. This is what you know. Hooked on a feeling was back in 2014. Everyone was playing the song. The they played volume. the vinyl. They had the vinyl everywhere. It was the only like vinyl I ever mm -hmm. saw people buying at that time. And I was like, since when do people buy vinyl, dude? Yeah, it's the awesome mix from Guardians. I'm like, what? This movie is huge. Marvel, and I said this before the podcast started, if Avengers put them on the map, this movie made it, made Marvel as big as possible. Like, they could not be stopped. And you look at every movie after this, Age of Ultron, which was big, not as well-liked, but huge, still made a ton of money. Ant-Man, very well-loved. You go from Civil War, Doctor Strange. They go on such a tear for the rest of this, like, for a couple of years, that it's it's actually insane. And it all starts with this movie. Another thing that starts with this movie, humor. 
big point mm-hmm. because humor has never been like this in the MCU before. And I think they took and saw this movie and the humor that was injected here. And I think they injected it into a lot of... Almost every one we of had, their We projects. already had quips. Tony had quips. Right. Uh, we had quips in uh, Winter Soldier. That Quips were a part of it. But yeah, uh, Kevin Feige, the, the key scene in this movie that he said changed his view on the future was the scene at the closer to the end when they're argument, arguing, you know, I have 12% of a plan. What percentage? I don't know. 12%. 12%? <laughs> That's a fake laugh. It's real. Totally fake. That is the most real, authentic, hysterical laugh of my entire life because that is not a plan. That scene, he said, he looked at that scene and he said, that's what I want the MCU to be mm. like more. So, yeah, you're right. The, mm. the, this movie did change the landscape. But to me, this is something I wanted to talk about was because I said it up front when I asked people, do you like the Guardians movie? They go, yeah, that one's fun. That one's funny. And to me, yeah, it is. It's a very funny movie, but it's funny because the characters say funny things. I don't necessarily, they're not jokes to me. They're just characters yeah. saying things. A lot of them are jokes. They play as jokes, but the way the, the characters are so well-defined and so well-written that like, like the, 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 uh, the, 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 the right? Yes. With, yes. With, with Drax, that joke is great, but that's just Drax, fu- Drax fully being his character. It's not like, Oh, we have a funny joke. Which character do we want to say it? No, the jokes are written for the characters. And that's why I think it is so good right these characters are just funny they're not characters saying jokes they're just funny characters yeah and there's no clear like you, you'll see this in later marvel movies uh especially in things like ragnarok and love and thunder where it's very clear they just set up a camera and Hate say and go and then they just have them do a little bit of an improv scene there's even one in um guardians 3 you can tell it's kind of off the cuff the one where uh they're getting the data for rocket and he looks over at nebula and, and they go through that scene it, it, it you don't have any of that in the first guardians movie it wasn't very common to see that sort of improv thing and that's what i love about this movie it's itself it's written it's thought out it's not just like all right it happened to be funny now we're good we're, we're sending it it's great i I love the humor in this movie. I love how diverse the different characters are. They each have their own thing, and none of them are flanderized. You guys know Ned Flanders from from The Simpsons. That that's that became a, a word to describe characters who just become a very vague definition of themselves after multiple seasons, after a long time. Guardians characters, I think, are the only. Uh, no, I might be wrong. But they're very a very good example. Okay, we'll say a very good example of characters who, out, throughout four five movies, don't become flanderized. Mm. I agree in yeah. every one of their performances, and I think you that's because James Gunn really resides yeah. over almost everything. Even in Infinity War and Endgame, the Russo brothers went to him and said, "Hey, are you okay with us doing this?" He also with produced this character? on those movies too. He, yes, he yeah. did. He did. So there was a lot of input. That he had over these characters because he he's taking them on this journey. There's Infinity War and Endgame are just the middle point in between mm-hmm. Guardians two and three, so they can't mess up his plan and his future. And I think that's what you need. And I think the MCU needs that with its characters because right now it has talented people working on it, but talented people 
aren't really the best or should be the best fit for these movies. Ryan Johnson is extremely talented. Can he make a good Star Wars movie? That is up for a lot of debate. (laughs) That is up for a lot of debate. But that's the thing. Talent doesn't equal you're going to make a good movie. You have to have a passion for the characters, for the story. James Gunn has that. When you take Scott Derrickson and you make Doctor Strange, and then you totally throw him out, because his story doesn't fit with your universe and bring in Sam Raimi, who's also great, the story gets kind of mm-hmm. jumbled. That's and it's like, thing okay, what, what happened here? Strange, uh, Doctor Strange is a similar situation. Outside of the comics, people didn't really know Doctor Strange, just like with the Guardians. But once you introduce it into the movies, Doctor Strange is one of the lowest rated Marvel movies. For some reason, it's in the bottom half. Yeah, which is which is it's weird. Which is very well. A lot of people drew very similar, very like a lot of similarities between him and Tony Stark. Okay. Oh, it's Tony Stark, but with magic. Mm-hmm. And so that kind of yeah it was good. I mean, it certainly made its money. See what they need is they need uh, a wrestler who had never been in a movie before, or at least a big movie, uh, to uh, headline a brand new franchise, maybe in the Sony universe. Maybe uh, uh, El, El, El Muerto. Muerto. Okay. <laughs> oh boy. No, but but yeah, I love what you're saying Batista right now. The, is a great the point you're making is uh, that d- the writing has to be there, the character yes. work has to be there, which is a note that I don't know how Marvel strayed so far from this, but like just because you bring a cool character from the I comics in doesn't mean that that's good. like okay, you're bringing a Miss Marvel. People love Miss Marvel, but you have to make sure the writing's there. And you have to make sure that you actually do stuff with the character. And I think the the core example of that is James Gunn. These characters weren't really well known, and people were like, "Oh, you're bringing those to the screen, whatever." They, but it's his love for those characters that really translates. And now they're one of the most beloved part of the MCU. Yeah, either you get one of the highest rated sequels of all time with Volume Three, or you get the most disliked YouTube video of <laughs> all Marvel trailer history. Well. Just look at it. You have, um, give me the director for Spider-Man Home Trilogy. What's his name? Oh, um, Mark, uh, Jim Watts. John John (laughs) Watts. That's a great trilogy. You can argue that if you don't like Far From Home, I know that's controversial in some areas, but all three of those movies, in my opinion, and I, I, I think in your opinion too, quality films. Same guy directed all three. All right, Captain America, we got kind of lucky because the Russo brothers are just geniuses. And you could say, well, oh, the Avengers, man, all, all four of those movies are pretty good. But those movies are more event films. Right, right. You don't have to, in a way, focus so much on the characters and the writing as much as you have to tell a grand epic. When it comes to the focused personal story... I think you have to have someone there who wants to tell the story, who wants to write for the story. And I mean, we could talk about writers all day and the strike that's going on, but without taking too much away from this conversation, I'd rather not go down that direction. We're going to cover that at a later time. I do have something to say about the writers, though. So this is our third time a woman has helped write this movie. What was her name? What was her name? Nicole Perman. Yes. Yes. So our first time... uh, (laughs) Is it Warzone? No, no. Not Warzone. Howard the Duck. Oh, with Gloria Katz. Oh, okay. Uh, then the second time <laughs> was Punisher Warzone. Wait a minute. Hold yeah, on. and then Howard the Duck is in this movie. A full circle, baby. This is one of what five movies <laughs> total that we we get. Uh, no coincidences in those. I'm scene. sure. I I don't know the relation. Do you guys know the relationship between James Gunn and Nicole Perlman? 
no. uh, their relationship. I'm not sure. Either way, turned out to be absolutely fantastic and a great film. I don't think anyone is, you know, disputing that. Um, do you have a favorite song, Ethan? Out of oh. the greatness of this soundtrack, I, I in, knew this question would come in, up. The I, I best needle ask drop it. of you, the you movie. Gotta, yeah. Oh man, there there are so many great ones. I I know my least favorite one. Least for favorite, sure. yeah. But it's still not even bad. Oh, okay, okay. It's but, more like just. I mean, "Come and Get Your Love" is just so iconic. That's mine too. It yeah. it's fantastic. And uh, what's funny is James Gunn, uh, Chris Pratt's like, "Can we get a choreographer in here for me to do this?" And James Gunn's like, "No, just dance." <laughs> there was one shot of that where he wanted it to be choreographed, and it's that amazing shot of Chris Pratt under the A. You know, dude. <laughs> That, I, that's my favorite shot of the whole movie right so there. good because then the boom you i want to talk about title. shots later there are a lot yeah. of great shots in this movie too but i think come and get your love is is mine ed yeah i'm looking at the tape right now looking at our, our list here and uh i'm reminded of my favorite and that's escape the pina colada song getting i love this soundtrack okay let me just say of course great it's called escape and they're escaping. Wow. Mind blown. <laughs> but that song tells a great story. And in the middle of the movie, like the way the music correlates to the scene and how yeah. it propels forward. That's why Guardians 2 is personally my favorite, because the music integrates, I think, perfectly into the narrative. Well, you, you see it with each movie, the progression of uh, James Gunn being able to do more James Gunn stuff. Yeah. This first one, sure, these songs are written into the movie, but that's like screenwriting 101 you don't write songs into your script because you're not sure if you can secure the rights to those songs but when guardians 2 comes around james gunn is feeling a little more confident <laughs> i can get yeah. i can get these songs so he can every single he song. can address the song like make it relate to the scene as hard as he wants it to this one the songs are probably a little more vague but they're still really great mm. Yeah, I love the the shot. So it starts Pina Colada song. He's getting his his Walkman from the guard, and then they're like, "Where was he at? Where was he at?" And then if you like Pina Colada, yeah. he's flying out of the ship. That's yep. so sick. Oh, loved it. You're an imbecile. <laughs> so how how is the music though? Because this is a thing that happens with with music, and and it, 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 when it becomes this big. After, over time, people start to get tired of this song. Me personally, I really am tired of hearing Hooked on a Feeling. Hooked on a Feeling is a great song, but I've heard it a lot of times. So it starts to age. Has this soundtrack aged for you in a good way, bad way, or do you still like it as much as when you I it? Uh, okay, Go first ahead. off, yeah. I was a really cool kid in high school, and I carried around my Walkman <laughs> with this tape. Uh, both tapes, actually. Did you really have a yeah. Walkman? That's awesome. I got those two right there. Those That's were my awesome. daily drivers. And uh, I, I would bring them to school and look all cool and stuff. And I would listen to this stuff. Would you look cool, really? <laughs> Dan, I look so cool. As a belt clip and everything, I, I know man. you looked cool, but did other people think did you other people cool? think you were cool? That's I the, didn't that's care. I had my headphones there. There you go. There you go. The, oh, yeah. These songs didn't get boring to me. There were Okay, there was maybe one or two that, that I would skip, like the David Bowie one at the end. Um, or not the David Bowie one, the Guardians Manifesto or whatever it's called. Yeah, that yep. one I would always skip. Uh, but the other ones, especially the Guardians Two soundtrack, yeah, they did not go stale for me. I would okay. keep those on all the time, and I was like, no wonder why Peter never got tired of this stuff. Right, that's it's why so that's, good. That's, that's why they call it awesome mix. It's the awesome mix. They call it the lame mix. It's the it awesome. Definitely mix. holds up a lot better. I, I think that's the weakest part of uh, holding up the 
the torch from Guardians 1 and 2 is that 3 kind of missed the ball on on the mix just a little bit. There's some great songs in there. In your opinion and in my opinion, but I know there's a lot of fans yeah, of the Guardians yeah. 3 soundtrack. I so need to listen no, to it more. No I need to get the... Do they sell the cassette? Well, here's, here's the thing. Here's <laughs> the thing. You don't need to listen to it more. Your first impression mm. is what you get of it. So when but I that, first that, saw Guardians 2... I, I want to make his point, though, is yeah. you say, how is these, song, these songs aged? My thing is the first two movies, I can sing all those songs. But that's because of how many times I've listened to them. And yeah, I think w- once the Guardians 3 soundtrack is accumulating more, I can sing it a little more. But I think there's also some uh, thematic elements to the third one because the first two movies, those are mixtapes his mom made him. Mm-hmm. The third movie's a songs on a Zune, a random Zune, right? So it's going to be more random. It's not mm-hmm. going to be as personal. And I think it works in so that way. So you're saying there's an in-universe reason yeah, to why definitely. it's not as catchy because this isn't pop songs from when he was a kid okay and i I I also think that they play more of the song in these first two movies the third one i noticed they don't play enough of the song to get me to say like oh yeah yeah that was some of it's like they play the song just just so they can throw it on the soundtrack yeah oh yeah this is in that movie which is all right like the the part where adam warlock is flying in they play the cool guitar part but they don't play the rest of the song really it would be cool if they, they kept playing the song further into the scene and it accompanies the action. That's what they do in this movie. That's what they do in the second movie. And that's what I love about those two. You know what else they do in this movie? Thanos. Thanos. Oh, Big time. Oh, politics born. You want to talk about, and I'm going to shoot this over to Ethan first because yes. I know he wants to talk about this, but MCU connections and how important this movie is? Big time. Yeah, this, uh, this is... I think one the most important movie for what Infinity War and Endgame become. This is the movie, the setup, the execution. You know, you introduce the idea of the Infinity Stones, which James Gunn said he wrote that scene in six minutes, <laughs> or not six in thirty minutes. But that Kevin Feige was like, "Oh, let's build our saga around this. That's cool." <laughs> they went yeah. and ran with that. So cool, but you get the introduction like, oh, this is part of a bigger universe. And these Guardians, really the first time we're up and personal with a stone. We know about stones, but the Tesseract is a cube, and the Mind Stone is on a Loki Scepter. They're not actually like physical stones. This is the first time we really see the stone that will eventually go in Thanos' gauntlet. And yeah, of course, Thanos... We get the introduction to the big bad. I mean, we we got him in end of end game. But this is the first time or you see him. Avengers. This is the first yeah. Josh Brolin, right? Yeah. Because he wasn't yep. that was just all CG, the first one. Now now it's actually him mocapping it. Your Voicing. politics yeah. bore me. Good meme. Right there. But no, also this, a is, huge this is scene. Huge movie. Like Kevin Feige putting importance on this. This is the new Iron Man. And I think for what it did and what it spun into motion, yeah. And the way it's changed the landscape. And still to this day, people love the Guardians. The MCU really goes cosmic after this. James Gunn even describes this as Marvel Com's cosmic mm-hmm. universe now. <laughs> Which original plans were for him to oversee the cosmic side of the universe. And we gotta, we're got we not going to talk about it a ton, right. but he did right. get fired. Right. 
Bomp, bomp. Which is yeah. uh, very unfortunate. Which is yeah. But he got but to come back for three. He did. Yeah. But I think a lot of that was because he really cared about the characters more than anything else. I don't think he would have come back if he if it, if this was like a, a Peyton Reed Ant Man type deal. Right. Like, he know? said he said the draw to come for the third one was finish Rocket Story. Mm-hmm. But we're we're straying pretty far oh, from and, this and, movie right. as a and core. Yeah. Let me uh, let me reiterate. Rocket was only in 10 comics in his first 30 years of being a character. That's what it was. Okay. His first 30 years. That's what it was. And then uh, he was in a couple comics in the 2006, 2008, and then nothing until after Guardians 1 came out. Then he got his own run. Hmm. Okay. According to Wikipedia. (laughs) Which, you know. I only trust trust Wikipedia, so you better go check your facts. (laughs) Um, So... When you talk characters in this movie, mm. you have a great band of heroes and adventures. And I think we should maybe save that conversation for favorite characters. Yes. But how do you feel about the villain of this movie in Ronan the Accuser? <laughs> Ethan. Who? Who? Oh, yeah. This movie has a villain. You're right. There is a villain yeah. in this movie. There's a reason we're yeah, like he's 30. In, he's in The Hobbit. The reason we're 30 minutes into this podcast and we're just now mentioning right. Ronan. Because he's... He's the weakest part of this movie, easily. Easily. Where James Gunn puts so much love into the group of heroes, the superheroes, which James Gunn will say to this day, this is not a superhero movie. He doesn't want this to be I would agree. a superhero movie. Uh, but yeah, Ronan, nothing. Yeah, I get nothing from this guy. Ronan and Nebula really don't add much to me, personally. To me, I- Ronan is just that guy... Who's naked? Who's okay? But he's there. <laughs> he is. Naked. He's the MacGuffin, right? So that the characters do something in the movie. He got, pushes our characters to do some awesome, yeah. compelling things. True. But him, in in and of itself, okay. Get that power stone, destroy Xandar. I I draw a lot of parallels between this one and um, uh, the, the 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 Guardians three villain. What's his name? High evolutionary. High evolutionary. Yeah. Not the greatest of villains. Their motivations are kind of weak. I think high evolutionary is definitely better. Gives a better performance. But I just, there's not a lot there for me to grab onto. There's just not. You got the whole Kree war, which is cool for lore wise because mm-hmm. the Kree have been in the Marvel Universe in the comics for a long time. So it was cool. I remember hearing that. I was like, Kree, when are we getting scrolls? Turns out we wouldn't get that for another five years. But still really cool to hear that little tidbit dropped in there. But other than that, not very interesting. His motives just aren't that uh, clear. Ronan's, Ronan's, because he says he wants to cure it. He wants to cure the Kree. What what does that mean? Right. And then he says, oh, I'm going to blow up the planet. Oh, well, well that, yeah, I guess. Well, why not just say (laughs) blow up the planet? So here's my question. Does it matter in a movie like this, doesn't matter no. to have a villain that is not necessarily the most memorable if your characters are as good as we've said they because are. Because it doesn't matter because he, uh, James Gunn wants us to only remember the Guardians. He wants us to think, okay, these are the, the heroes who destroyed the who cares villain, and now we're on to the next one. Where the villain becomes much more personal, yes. and in my opinion, better. Yes. When you look back on the MCU, you don't think of Ronan. You think of you think of uh, what's his name in the second one? Ego. Ego. Yeah. T- yeah, I was trying well, to think of the actor's you look name. At, you mean the MCU as a whole, or as the, the MCU as a whole? If you're looking at okay, who's the Guardians villain? It's Ego. All right, 
Who's the Who's Iron Man's villain? Oh, it's the uh, the, the bald guy. <laughs> I didn't and then think the guy with the electric thing. whips. <laughs> the, Ethan, does it matter to you? No. Do you it, want a great villain? I think what a great villain would do would push this movie to the level where perfection is. But in a yeah. movie when the the goal of it is to introduce us to these characters and where I come out of this movie in love with each member, all five of the guardians where I just like have a feel like I have a deeper connection with them. Yeah. I think that's a win. And if uh, spending less time with Ronan meant I got to spend more time with the guardians, I'm here for it. That's what it's about. That's what the, that's what every, all right. The MCU is critiqued for having weak villains the whole, the whole way through. Right. And yeah, you do want a good villain for your uh, antagonist to go up against or your heroes to go up against. But when the, the heroes are so good and compelling and where the real, the real villain of this movie are the characters with each other. And when they come together, that's when the plot is resolved, mm. right? That's it. The team forming. So the villain's just there. And I think that's where a lot of these movies fail is they're like, Oh, throw a villain in there. Yeah. It's very clear that this movie is designed to make you love the guardians and know who they are by the end of this movie. They didn't want a single person leaving this theater saying, uh, who's the big guy again? Who's the tree? What was his name? <laughs> yep. Or or what was the guy with the red tattoos? Well, how, how, what was that guy doing? Or what was the green guy? Or what was, you know, every character is so unique, iconic. And let me say this. They introduce the characters twice. Each character is introduced twice. <laughs> they introduce Peter. Uh, Peter's introduced probably three or four times. They introduce him as a boy. They introduce him as Star Lord. Star Lord. Who? Who? I'm Peter Quill. I'm I'm just a I'm just a, a guy who steals things. Right? A Joker man. A Joker man. And then it, he's introduced on what Xandar is that what the planet's called? Yep. With Rocket scanning him, then he's introduced in prison, and then he's introduced to another guy at some point too. That at uh, uh to to Gamora at the outside of he's introduced so many times. Uh, Drax, Rocket, Gamora. Groot, I mean, Groot introduces himself every time he speaks. <laughs> How clear can True. you get? Huh. This movie was designed so that you know who these characters are. And I think it's as big as weakness, too. On the rewatch, mm. the dialogue gets a little stale. Knowing, okay, I already know who these characters are. Do I really need to know who they are seven times in one movie? <laughs> so that that's my next question. The last question, big one that I have before we get into all this. And I'm going to... I, I'm going to give you guys time to say what you guys want to say, but my humor is a big part of this movie. There's no doubt about it. There's almost oh, Chris Duckman on the way here. I was listening to him. I always listen to him before I come here and got a little short drive. I listened to his review and he said that he would call this movie a full blown comedy almost to that point. Mm. So to that point, to his point, Chris Duckman's a very well, you know, he's done many movie reviews. I don't know if I would call this one a comedy, but humor is very prevalent in this movie. And Almost 10 years later, how does the script, how do the jokes, do they still land? How do you guys still feel about it, Ethan? I kind of went into it earlier, but I I would disagree with Chris Stuckman. This is not a full-blown comedy. Mm. It's very funny. There are funny moments, but what is at the core of this is yeah. a character story. And we learn about all these characters. But the main, the main core of this is Star-Lord's character, right? I, 
I love his character in this movie. The whole movie is him holding on to his feelings of being a boy and never letting go. Right. He's still Mm. listening to the music. He's still very childish. But then then it all resolves with him being reaching out to Gamora, accepting the hand that hurt that his mom reached out. He didn't accept. He accepts a hand and now he's able to move on open the present, read the letter from his mom. It's a character story. That's what it is. And yeah, there are funny moments thrown in there and there are a lot of laugh out loud moments. But to me, there's no part of this movie where I'm like, that's something that the character wouldn't say. Yeah. The best part of this movie is not a joke. And that's what makes it not a comedy. This is an action movie first, then a comedy. Okay. I'd say character movie. Yeah. When I think about, when I think about, yeah, character action comedy, when I think about this movie, I think of Peter's struggles. I think of Rocket's action. I think of Drax's jokes. But so is there a point, though, because you, you said this yourself. A lot of people come at this movie and remember, oh, yeah, that's the funny. It's funny. Yeah, mm-hmm. I think that's, that's why it's so appealing for a lot of people. James Gunn is just a funny guy. Yeah. You listen to him in any interview. He's just that's true. He's really funny, really charismatic. Think if you sit down and he writes a script, it's going to be funny, but that's not what he wants people to leave it with. He he wants funny moments, but he also wants the character moments there. And no, I don't I don't think that there's a negative of people thinking that it's just funny. Yeah, because that means that they enjoyed it. That means they went in there, they enjoyed it. But then for people who wanted a character story, they also get that too. Yeah, there's something for everyone. And and no disrespect to any of you who just think it's the funny movie, but. Maybe there is a a more mature look on this movie to where, you know, if you're just a casual going into the Marvel Universe and you're like, oh, yeah, it's a good movie. But to someone like us, nerds who go and sit down and review every single Marvel movie, whoever exists, maybe you see a little bit more. So and I think there's definitely that in this movie. I totally agree with you. On that before we dive into characters scenes and score anything else you guys want to say or add i definitely remember one? crying the first time watching uh, really? the we are group mm. way we back are oh yeah group. it was unexpected yeah. the whole movie you you never because think about it you, you're okay yeah this guy can only say we are Groot and i mean i am Groot and uh rocket says that very clearly he says his vocabulary consists of three words i am and Groot in that order specifically yeah. And you're like, okay, yeah, sure. You and then cried? I remember crying. I think, I think every character. I, mean, I, was, I was like 12. <laughs> every character gets a moment, I think. And it, whether big or small, but before we move on to, uh, you know, how we normally do this, but what's your favorite shot of this movie? Mm. I know you, you had said, I'll take the Star Lord under the A. Yep. Great. Mike, did you? I'm still saying the needle drop when he flies out. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That yeah. was sick. Chris, there, there are so many interviews, so many special features you can go watch, but Chris Pratt is just, you can tell <clears throat> he's just amazed that he got to play the superhero because he That's never awesome. thought in a million years he would. And he just is so, because the, the, his mask is practical. That's a real mask that they made. He just, the excitement he had while wearing that, he just felt like I'm a superhero. Well, now. Dave Batista too. He was so pumped because he had never really been in a role before and being in a Marvel role, something he would really wanted to do. He cried when he first got, it. he was like, yeah. And then he hired an acting coach just so he can nail this role. Yeah. And he and, nailed it. Yeah. It was something that was cool was him. Uh, uh, Dave Batista and Zoe Saldana were 
uh, talking about the makeup process and how Oof, oh you know, I don't know, man, four or five hours saw in, a, time in a chair. Week. It it doesn't sound appealing. And Dave Batista for makeup, he couldn't he couldn't sit down, so he had to stand. They gave him sticks with tennis balls on him where he would lean on them. So he had to he had to stand up for the whole makeup process Jeez. for four hours. But he said he said yeah. I, at first, I was like, I can't do this every day. But then he said the f- final product. He'd look in there and he go, that was worth every second of that makeup. Mm-hmm. Let's go film some scenes. So I just that's just so cool the the way the dedication that he had to the role. Mm. we've seen it before on the marvel movie marathon you have your iron man (laughs) well i'm talking about dedication from the directors the writers the characters the actors who bring it all together and to make something that's truly special i see that a lot in the beginning stages and beginning phases of the mcu and that's where great movies that's how great movies are made so with that yeah, I still want to do my favorite shot. My favorite oh, shot. Oh yeah! Oh yeah. my gosh! So you you did my your Star Lord flying out. Pardon me. Pina Colada's playing. Yours is the A. I love that. This shot gets me every time. But it's it's Drax. You know, as as Rocket's crying there over Groot's dead body. Mm. You have Drax. You sitting there. He's big. He's huge. He's buff. And then he reaches over and he pets Rocket. Mm. That shot. I I love That's that good. shot. It's so good. And the way the way Rocket is so like cold to it at first. Hey, exp- oh, yeah. yeah. Another uh, cool yeah. shot, just to give us a, a, a second shot in our favorite uh, shots, <laughs> is when Drax throws the rifle to Rocket oh, when he's on top of Groot, and it spins in the air. He grabs it and he says, "Oh yeah, oh yeah." That that's good stuff. It's a yeah. good time to also highlight how those two characters are fully CGI, and just the way they feel so real. They're so well realized. There's a so high definition too. Yeah, yeah. It, 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 it looks, sucks you right in. That's my favorite part about these movies is I'm just looking at Rocket. Man, you look like a real character to me. <laughs> and he only gets better and better from there. Guardians right. three, it's insane. <laughs> I mean, and yeah, you think, all right, well, yeah, a lot of things are like that. But this is 2014, talking about full CGI character. I mean, you go back to Lord of the Rings. Gollum's great. Don't get me wrong. But, you know, there are certain scenes. He, he, he shows some cracks. Right. But that's the technology of its time, to see this rocket raccoon that is digitally produced but have so much life into that character. It's beautiful. Shout out Bradley Cooper. Yep. He sells the voice acting so well. And Sean oh, Gunn. Sean yep. Gunn, too, the, the, lie, the physical performance. Yes. All right, gentlemen, favorite characters. I'm going to shoot this to Micah Ooh. first. Out of which of the five... Or it could go outside. Oh, I'm going. Who's your favorite? I'm going Drax just oh. because he's my dad's favorite character, and I, <laughs> it always makes me laugh whenever my dad quotes movies. And Drax is pretty much the only character he quotes from from this movie. What's a quote you hear him say? <laughs> uh, it won't even go with anything we're we're talking about. But he'll say. Nothing goes over my head. My reflexes are too fast. <laughs> catch oh, it. Catch it. <laughs> and then the way the confidence. He, he especially says the um, the one from Infinity War. I'm moving so incredibly slow that I become naked to the human eye. Yeah. <laughs> or invisible to the human eye. <laughs> Very quote worthy movie. Especially oh, a lot from Drax. That's a great pick. He's a great never character. never call me a thesaurus. <laughs> <laughs> Who is it, Ethan? Who's your favorite? I, I'll go Star-Lord. I think this is... Uh, He's just it, he's he's the main character. I know James Gunn has said that they're all really main characters, and Rocket is like a secret protagonist of this movie. But I'm going with Star Lord just from 
I th- I think the way Chris Pratt first of all is Chris Pratt, mm-hmm. right? The guy is so charming. Watch him in any view, any interview. He, he he's just a funny guy too. He's and I love him as Andy Dwyer. So I already loved Chris Pratt as a as a character. Now he's just a different character. But yeah, the his whole arc in this movie where it's he gets abducted by Yandu. Shout out Michael Rooker. We haven't mentioned his name yet through the podcast. I'm about to. Ooh, awesome. Ooh. Okay, sweet. But uh. He gets abducted as a kid, and then his mental state, he's stuck there. He can't advance through the whole movie. He hasn't opened up to anyone. He's been very closed off, even the women that he uh, is very flirtatious with. He doesn't really open up to them. They're just, you know, uh, scratches on his nightstand, as they say. So he's so closed off through the whole movie, and then it's at the end when he can accept Gamora's hand and accept that this is my new family, I can move forward, where he sits down and he opens the the letter and he, the, the, uh, uh, ain't no mountain high enough playing as he reads this letter. And we realize why this guy's so immature. And we see why a big thing throughout this movie is he wanted to be called star Lord, the whole movie. What a dumb name. What a dumb thing to insist you be called. And it's because that's what his mom called him. That's why, that's why I love that name. Mm. So I, I, that, that, He's my favorite character. I love the way they use music to convey what the characters are feeling on a different level. Right. And then you can listen later and be like, oh, yeah, that's what that lyric is. You can you can apply that. And just so we don't... Special Guardians yeah, Just so I don't tread myself again, that's my favorite scene. When he reads the letter from his mom. Peter. I know these last few months have been hard for you. But I'm going to a better place. And I will be okay. And I will always be with you. You are the light of my life. My precious son. My little star lord. Love, mom. Yeah, yeah. that's so beautiful. And the way the song plays... To keep me from getting to you, baby. The letter gets to Peter Great Quill. Singing, and, dude, yeah, keep singing. Like, <laughs> I don't think anyone would want to hear uh, that. But yeah, I teased it. We haven't talked about him at all, but Yandu is fantastic. One of the reasons why Guardians 2 is my favorite movie, because he gets a lot more to do. He does. I think Michael Jones. Rooker does such a fantastic job. When I picked you up on Terran, those boys wanted to eat you they never tasted Terran before dude and come on just he's a testament to james gunn's yes. ability to work with characters to where this guy same with nebula later in the movies but this guy we see him we're like that guy just sucks but then at the, at the end of two you're crying over him yeah yeah but go Spoilers. ahead and and there's there's a great scene in this movie because he has the coolest weapon his little whistle needle that's the cool and one of the coolest scenes in the movie it's probably not going to make our list but i want to highlight that scene where he absolutely demolishes all those warriors and then takes down that ship such a cool character his voice acting that he does that just the michael rooker voice it's not voice acting but his voice is so iconic his teeth man (laughs) the grill that he wears michael rooker is fantastic Shout out to him in The Walking Dead. But this was where I saw him first. And he was so good in this movie that when I saw him in Walking Dead, even though he's the worst character in that show, he's so bad. But it's because like Michael Rooker is 
at his core, he's a crappy guy, but he has a little bit of a charm side to him. Like when he's you mean Yandu, Yandu, Yandu. Yeah. Yandu. yeah, sorry, we're not bashing Michael Rooker, no. the actor. I went like when he's sitting and the guy had the big eyebrows. He's like, Obolele, Obolele. The high end obolele, obolele. <laughs> like dude, that scene is hilarious. So yeah, I'm go I'm going with Yandu. That's my favorite character. Ethan, you said your favorite scene. It's the Peter reading the letter. Micah, what's your favorite scene? <sighs> I really like the opening of this movie. Oh since we haven't talked about it, I'll I'll say here. I love how we set up this character as having this tragic backstory. And then we cut to He's jamming out. He's masking his feelings. Like, oh, wow. We, he, he just went through the super traumatic event. He was just kidnapped by aliens uh, as, that we think of. And now he's just hanging out. We're going to have a deep story with this guy. And we do. Sets up the rest of the Guardians. The fun movie. Starts very dark. Very actually. dark. This is one of the <laughs> darkest cold opens that we get. Because this... To not toddler. Teenager's mom dies right in front of him. What is he, 10 years old? 10 yeah. years old about? Not very old. Yeah. And that's rough. He he is like, reach reach for my hand. Peter, reach for my hand. And then she dies right in front of him after giving him that present. And then he's screaming. It reminds me of how Peter reacts to Rocket dying in Guardians 3. Hmm. The yeah. screaming. Yeah. The, the holding back kind of, kind of mindset. And then he's pulled out of the room by his grandpa, and I can see how he would think that his grandpa was mad at him. Looking back from Guardians 3, that you can totally see that. How a 10-year-old would think, oh, he doesn't want me. Nobody wants me. Now that mom's gone, who cares? So he runs out. <laughs> Rest is history. Truly is. Yeah. One of the greatest origin stories of all. He doesn't have superpowers. You that really well. Like, that was good stuff. Hey, thank you. He doesn't have stuff. any... Superpowers. His superpowers is his astonishingly good looks and uh, my body that I put on him. There you and, go. And uh, his uh, his gadgets. Indeed, loved it. Uh, I would say that my favorite scene is the ending, the the dance, the off, dance battle to save the Me universe. Distracting <laughs> just like the blossom. And then also just Come the on. dive to get the stone. The as the guardians they each come towards him and put their hands on him, and the the as Gamora reaches her hand out, you get the the cold take right to his mom. So much right there, and then Ronan with uh, he's not the greatest villain, but he makes that scene so epic. You're mortal, how? And he and he's like, you said it yourself. We're the guardians of the galaxy, and then he missed a word in there intentionally so <laughs> freaking good man i'm telling you that scene just it makes the whole movie just wrap up so nicely and then you have a couple scenes after that end off the movie really nicely but that is that in that crux is where he gets over that he reaches out grabs his mom's hand that's why he's able to read that note so great scene but now, ah, now's the time, ooh, ladies the hard and part. gentlemen. Now's the hard part because yeah, we got to look at I the Hollywood Reporter rating. Yes. The only negative Bust we've had out. is that Ronan's bad, and and the rewatchability is a bit less that one, yes. because of the exposition that they dump every. I I think minutes. it's very rewatchable. Mm. I also think it's very rewatchable, but there are certain things that don't hit as hard. Yeah. Now that you, you you've seen it. 
you know, updating Bef- They do a pretty good job of uh, helping with the reiterization to make it smooth, just make it kind of natural. But overall, it's there's there's just some parts that's I don't know. Let before we dive into score, let's talk about James Gunn essentially created a new world. There's a lot of world building in this. Yes. What do you guys think of his world building? He introduced the Celestials. That's insane. Yeah. Dude, the Celestial Head of Nowhere is... like Celestials are going to be huge in the MCU going forward. I think that they're going to be one of the big bads in phase... What are we on now? Five? Four? We're in five. We're in five. five. We're in five now, guys. That's crazy. <laughs> so... Celestials are going to be huge. They were introduced in Eternals uh, as like physical characters. We see one in Guardians. We see one in yeah. Guardians. Guardians 2 isn't Ego in a, a Celestial? Yep. Yeah. Technically Peter Quill is too. Yeah. Part, half, half, half Celestial. Yep. Half Terran. But what the the most cosmic we've had so far is Thor. Yeah. And that's not that cosmic. Miss Marvel's cosmic. She says it herself. Well, yeah, but we haven't made it there. <laughs> the yet. thing that's super in, the that that really impresses me are just the sets. Yeah, the yep. set design. Because in Thor, yeah, you have some really cool sets. You have Asgard, but it's really Asgard, and then it's Earth. And same with a lot of other Marvel movies. Yeah. It just feels very like Earth. But this is you have to create a whole new world. You have to create that that prison set is um, that whole thing is practical. Yeah. It astonishes me just how James Gunn, he had this vision and you have to craft it. That's that, I think that set design is one of my favorite parts about movies. Just seeing how they uh, just where they shoot is just so cool to me and how yeah. someone had to build that. It's amazing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Imagine being on a production. I've thought of that a couple of times. Just making the sets for the movies. You, like, you build those huge that. practical sets. Yeah. For something that's going to be in like three minutes of a movie. Or the prop guys. After right, yeah. remember right. the phase zero interview where the guy said after this movie came out, they had a hard time finding replacements for the Walkman because they, people were buying them. Right. That's an authentic Walkman. That's the first one that came out. All right, Micah. Yeah. I want to hear what the internet thinks before we right. give our scores. So, Guardians of the Galaxy. Um, if you guys don't know, we like to see what the internet thinks. So I, I pull from Rotten Tomatoes. I pull from Metacritic. I pull from IMDb, Letterboxd. Uh, so our Rotten Tomatoes critic gives it a 92, audience is a 92, Metacritic is a 76, Metacritic user is an 8.2, IMDb is an 8.0, and Letterbox out of 5 is a 3.8. Mm. 3.8. Pretty That's high. pretty good. That's great. 3.8. Yeah. Uh, that's not that high for Letterbox. Let me remind you guys, uh, that would put it in like 12th, 14th place for uh, Letterbox. There are... The four range is really like top tier movies for Letterbox. They're 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 strict over there. But Guardians of the Galaxy on IMDb is what is it number eight? It's mm. eighth place on IMDb. But our our overall internet ranking gives it a six sixth place. So if that's sixth across place, every Marvel film that we've reviewed every so far, Marvel film, no, no no total like all the Marvel all films time. ever of all time. It is the sixth highest rated Marvel movie of all time. Whoa. Yeah. People love this movie. I mean, and that's I mean, even we, with Guardians 3 included. I'm pretty sure I just it. included it in but the list. But there are so many stories of just the characters that the Guardians are. I've seen them online. I've People I follow on social media have said this, where like legit, the this movie and these characters stop them from committing suicide. Like That's how crazy it is. Mm-hmm. How big of an impact this movie has had. So for our MCU movies, we have No Way Home, Endgame, Iron Man, Guardians. Across the internet, yeah. Across the internet, yeah. But 
the list that we really want to care about. Oh yeah. Uh, if you guys don't know, Hollywood Hollywood Reporter. Hollywood Reporter did a list uh, that is the top tier iconic list. Iconic. Where do you guys think Hollywood Reporters? Iconic list places Top Guardians 20. of the Galaxy. Top, Top 20. 20. You know what? I want to narrow it down? You want to go bowler? They uh, they screw up a lot, but like you just said, people love this movie. Yeah. I say this is a top tenner. Top 10? It's got to be in their top 10. Hopefully. <laughs> is it above or below First Avenger, Captain America? Uh, according to Hollywood Reporter. Well, I know what I would say. But according to Hollywood Reporter, yeah. I would say it's above. Above? Do you think Big Hero 6 is above or below? All right. Guardians of the Galaxy is 19. Oh. Just wow. underneath Captain Whoa. America, First Avenger. Just above Deadpool 2 and Deadpool 1. Just below uh, Big Hero 6, which is our next movie. Captain America, Guardians of the Galaxy. But... None of that matters. None of that matters. None of that matters. Who cares? Now. Who cares? Because we have our scores. We have our ranking. We have our heading. So, Micah, I'm shooting it to you first. And you already put this on Letterboxd. Well, I want to get, I want to get, because you do decimals. Yes. So, where exactly are you putting this? What score are you giving Guardians? Guardians of the Galaxy is one of my favorite franchises. Mm, good. Yeah. Okay. But the first movie has some flaws. And those flaws make this movie a bit more bland than its better sequels. Hmm. With some repetitive character exposition, with some um, moments of, of lacking, such as the villains. I think there are things... All of these things are fixed in the sequel, from what I can remember. That's why I give this... Oof, oof, oof. <laughs> An 8.9. Oh, 8.9. Wow. Not quite in that upper echelon. Not of, in the 9 yet. Not in the wow. 9. Wow. But I'd say this is just about as good as... Uh, so I gave Iron Man 3 an 8.9. I gave the Avengers an 8.8. Mm. I think the needle mm. drops really helped this wow. movie. Wow. Okay. Micah's not a, Micah doesn't like to go too high up on too many movies. No. So once they, yeah, no, once they hit that, that upper nines, then then I'm like, okay, let's slow down a little bit. Let's let's leave some room. Eight point nine. I'm going eight point nine. All right, Ethan. Okay, to me, the, this is. Uh, I'm not saying it's the best movie we've seen so far, but you this said is that last week. <laughs> I yes, I did say that last week. This is my personal favorite of the movies we've seen so far, just from a character standpoint. Ever. Uh, uh, on this rewatch, on the rewatch right now. Whoa! Yes. Okay. This is my That's my fa- my favorite one. I don't think it's the best one we've seen. I think the nostalgia factor of the first Avengers really like pushes it up for me. He just and wants to bring his average score. I'm bringing my average back up. Yeah, I'm, I'm going a little too low, but I think the character work is great. The world building is great. The CGI and effects are great. James Gunn's vision is great. Performances are great. Yep. So much of this movie I just love, and to me, it's infinitely rewatchable. I rewatched it twice this month, and it just it's fluid, it feels so right. Uh, the specifically the voice acting by Bradley Cooper is just I don't know, I just I love the way he plays yep. Rocket. Um, but yeah, Ronan, Ronan's terrible, Ronan doesn't really add a lot to the movie, but, but we do get the introduction of Thanos. To me, this is this is almost a 10. I want to say it's a 10, but I've given out two 10s already. 
right? I have. You have. So I, I can't, yeah, that's, I, that's, I can't no, get uh, too excessive wait. with my tens. You've yeah, got the two. Avengers and Winter Soldier. Yes. Yeah. So I want to put this I mean, 10. If you give them a 10. I know. I know. What are you, what are you saying about me? Huh? I think you're an easy 10. I think, I think your 8.9 Ooh, is too low. You're a 10. I think you're, I don't know, where did you, you put, let's look at your Ghost Rider score, Micah. All right, all right, all right. you give Ghost Rider? No, to me, it's not as hard to hit that 10 as it is for you guys. That's fair. So, I'm going 9.8. No, go 9 points, put me down 9.6. 9.6? 9.6. I love this movie a lot. Yeah. Yeah. That's fair. I mean, you're not, I mean, the internet ranks this, Rotten Tomatoes, they've got this you know, point four lower than you do. Yeah, like they Ronan, love this movie. Ronan is bad, but the the rest of the characters, the five, like comparing the five characters in this movie to the six in the Avengers, just from a character standpoint, how they introduced all these characters in this one movie is really impressive work. Oh, uh, yeah. another quick thing: uh, Gamora quickly falls in love with Quill. That's about all I have to say. Who said she's in love? I disagree with that. Who said she's late. in love? Okay. I disagree. I think yeah. she kind of falls fast. They're not. Who and says then, like goes for the next? Who says story. they're in love? Well, she, you know those eyes. She does that thing. They play the song. <laughs> well, yeah, I she think does the, the start of their relationship. But even in Guardians too, they're not. Yeah, Quill is upset by that fact that it's not like this is going nowhere. This is a boring television series. No one wants to watch this kind of romance. So I, I think that while she is starting to fall for him, minor seeds. Are starting mm. to be planted. Yeah. I don't think she is in love with him. I agree with you, Ethan. Um. <laughs> so my I okay. So this is gonna maybe be controversial. Three point four. Um, not because of where I place this, but because of what is around this movie. In my personal scores, I really like this movie. I really do, and I think that it, besides Ronan and a few jokes that don't land as much anymore. There's not too many flaws with this movie. Like there it's I like how you say it's fluid. I really like that because you go back and rewatch this movie and it's a fun watch. You never have a bad time watching this movie. Mm. And the character drama is there. It definitely is. We've highlighted many scenes. A scene we didn't even highlight a uh, Yandu and Quill. You've been throwing that in my face for years, man. Normal people don't even think about trying to eat people. That's another great scene. But for me personally, when it comes to Marvel movies and heart, there's certainly a lot in here. It's just that I prefer a little bit more when it comes to my Marvel television than this. There's nothing against this movie. It's just, it's almost in a way to where I see Andor. It's great, mm. but it's not the Marvel that I will put so high, okay. you know, because yeah. I like it. But it's just not for, the top. For reference, Fiona, you hear that comparison? Go, what? Andor's fantastic. Ben likes Andor. Doesn't love Andor. Right. It's not his cup of tea. And I'm say- so you're saying Guardians you know aren't your main dish when you come to the right. MCU. When I come to the MCU, I'm here for Tony Stark. I'm here for Steve Rogers. I think their stories are more interesting because of where they sit in the MCU. Because Guardians does feel not as connected. And that's not a slight to those movies. In fact, I feel almost as more of it's a strength. But that hurts the ranking for me sometimes. I'm not giving it a bad score. I'm giving it an 8. But Mm. 
Ooh. I feel like some people would be upset with it being at eight because eight's not a bad score, but maybe it should be a nine. I'm not saying it's a nine. I'm saying this movie's great. It's hands. just not where I would put nines. Like a nine is X Men Days of Future Past. Not as good Great as X-Men movie. Days of Future Past, in my opinion. Not as good as Captain America, the first Avenger, in my opinion. Not as good as the Avengers. Some people would disagree with me, but I put this at an 8. I respect it, Ben. Respect it. I respect it. an 8. That's fine. What, is the, what does the 8 do for our overall so, ranking, Micah? Ethan, with your score of 9.6, Ben with your score of an 8, and me with my score of an 8.9, that gives us an 8.83. An 8.8? An 8.83. Our 35th movie mm. in the marvel watch through do you want me to start from the top dude that's just about halfway right halfway 35? halfway to peak, is that yeah. the 35th or 34th i know you've misread that 35th chart before 35th 35th i i i did the the thing and now it's 35th yep 35th okay wow. halfway to wow. peak wow because you know what's in 35 projects morbius 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 70th project <laughs> <laughs> number one we have winter soldier a 9.8. Number two, we have The Avengers, a 9.4. Number three, in, uh, X-Men Days of Future Past, a 9.1. Spider-Man 2 for fourth place at mm. an 8.9. And Iron Man was in oh, fifth place at an wow. 8.8. Guardians of the Galaxy has an 8.83. Wow. Knocking okay. Iron Man out of the top five. Our new I'm okay with that. fifth place yeah. winner, Guardians of the Galaxy. Yeah, Congratulations. Eight. I, I can sit here and I can be mad about you, the scores that p- different people give it, but like where it falls in that average, I think it's pretty good. There it is. I like that. That's good. That's the beauty of the average, the beauty of having three guys do this because at the end, it's going to be, and I love that being in the top five because Iron Man's great. I don't know if I'd say it's as good as the first Guardians though. They're both right there, but maybe Guardians edges it out just a little bit more, maybe just a little bit. They're both great, though, but I like it. So that's our top five. Guardians reaches the top five spot in that fifth place spot, which is fantastic. Is next week's movie going to beat it? Michael, what's next week? (laughs) Big Hero 6, our first (laughs) animated movie. We have, what, four animated movies that we have that we can see. So we have Big Hero 6, we have Into the Spider-Verse, Across the Spider-Verse, Beyond the Mm Spider-Verse. That's it. That's all we got. So far. Theatrically released. Theatrically released, yeah. We're not doing Which is what we're doing, yeah. We may or may not do the MCU series, and if that goes into it, what if it's also animated? Right. So, maybe. There's that. But as of right now, we're just doing those movies. And and as of this recording right now, we've got Across the Spider Verse coming up pretty dang soon. So, we got to get our tickets for that, actually. Eh, Probably not. The theater we go to. Yeah, right. They don't. uh, But I am very, very excited for that movie. But there you go, folks. Guardians is an 8.83 for the first Guardians Yep, Very interesting. And next week's going to be interesting because this is very detached. This is like a very different kind of movie than what we're used to reviewing. When we first threw this list together, this movie was not on our marathon docket. But if we didn't have this one, then we couldn't do Into the Spider-Verse movies. And that's no fun. It's well, all on the same list. They're science, Sony. Yeah, Sony. no. Yeah. That, they would have fit. This one is just... The only tie this has is that it's it's Marvel. It's a it's an official Marvel comic. But it, it does Stan have Stanley. Stan like, yeah, we'll, we'll talk about it next week. Yeah, yeah. 
It does have Stan Lee, and it was released in theaters, and that's the criteria. If the movie was released in theaters, and it's a Marvel exclusively movie. Marvel published comics, because right. uh, th there are things like uh, Malibu Comics that right. did Men in Black. Right, uh, has to be Marvel. Yeah, so this movie fits that, and we're going to be talking about Big Hero Six. I haven't seen this since this came out. Ooh. I remember almost nothing about this cool. movie. So it's on Disney Plus. I also have the Blu-ray. We'll be watching that next week. We thank you guys for watching and tuning in this long. Follow us on Letterboxd. Uh, I'm having a lot of fun on Letterboxd, man. What's your know. What's your at? What can they follow you at, Micah? My at is, uh, what is my at? <laughs> M-D-H-E-T-T-0-2. You can't just vaguely say, well, follow me on Letterboxd. Well, look at my name. I'm like the only Mike out there, so. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I highly doubt that. <laughs> yeah, anyway. Oh, yeah, Letterboxd is kind of fun. Oh, I am the Although only Micah hat on, on Letterboxd. They'd be spoiled, man. They they'd would be, be spoiled, spoiled of your scores. If you want a sneak peek as to what we're, <laughs> we're reviewing, uh, I, I do a, a bit of a detailed review for our... Yeah. I, I started doing some good uh, paragraphs. <laughs> you didn't write just a paragraph for Guardians. You wrote a book. <laughs> I just want my immediate thoughts I don't like the right book now. we had for the Mark Webb uh, or <laughs> Spider-Man <laughs> movies. Yeah, right. So stay tuned for that, folks. Otherwise... This is Ben Rayside. This is Ethan Watson. This is Micah Hutt. Signing off. We all hope you have an absolutely fantastic day. I have 13 followers on Waterboxville. <laughs>